Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the SBK Betting Podcast. And then it was all over. The Cheltenham Festival, it's been and gone. And we say it every year because that's what we come to expect at the Cheltenham Festival. But this year, the storylines were so heartwarming, so moving, that hour on Tuesday, so scintillating, we have to talk about it. Obviously, this podcast is always here designed to preview the best of the action over the course of the weekend and get our nap and our next best selections from Tom Collins and Ross Miller. But we will make the most of this opportunity to talk about what happened last week. We've just left, I feel, with a real spring in our step as we head towards that very season. And I think we really needed it after the political issues, the fairly fairly depressing headlines that the sport has dealt with. The horses did the talking. Too many moments to mention. We've got some winners as well. Really pleased that Ross and Tom can talk us through uh, their highlights. Obviously, Constitution Hill and Honeysuckle. But what else? Ross, let's start with you. This was a week where we can really remind ourselves just why we love this sport. Yeah, good good people winning races is always a nice um, a, a nice angle. I think there was a couple of fairly misguided comments uh, Cheltenham week and then and then this week as well with with owners. So the likes of Henry de Bromhead and John Kiley, who Tom mentioned uh, on the pre-pods, who just spoke with such love and passion for the sport and with such a nice outlook about nurturing jockeys, nurturing horses. Uh, for me, that's what draws me in. You know, I've said before, I love this sport because I love horses firstly. I love racing second and I love gambling third. And I know that's not everyone's uh, order of things. But for me, it was absolutely uh, a week that showcased the horse, showcased the jockeys. I think they've got to take huge plaudits for being able to adapt so quickly to, to what I don't think are bad set of rules. I think it was really badly uh, implicated at the wrong time. Um, I thought they did brilliantly, really. Um, and I thought, the, you know, I would defy anyone to say that the racing wasn't as competitive as it was the, the year before. Yeah, agreed. And looking at that, that came down in, in the rulings and, and that and obviously um, the fact that there weren't m- too many massive incidents that came out of it from a jockey's point of view. Um, but yeah, the horses, the sport really came out on top, didn't it, TC? Like we always talk every year about the Irish and the UK battle for the for you know the titles, how many winners the Irish are going to get, how many winners is Willie Mullins going to get. But I felt like that took a bit of a back step because as, as Ross was mentioning, it was more about those smaller stories, the smaller men. It was for the real good guys and it's for the, it's for the things that, and it, it gave us the opportunity to really think about the whole sport as a whole, not just about the, the every year on year battles, which can get a little bit dull. Yeah, well, Ireland v Britain is always the talking point, isn't it? How badly Britain are doing, how brilliantly the Ireland are doing in the Presbury Cup standings. But as you say, it was limited, uh, limitedly shown on TV, which is fantastic. Mm. My main takeaway, aside from the, the fantastic stories, one of which Ross has touched on there, um, with John Kylie, with the dream to share in the bumper, also Honeysuckle, of course, is the fact that we now have two superstars just to carry our jumps racing in Constitution Hill and Galapan de Champ. We already knew that Constitution Hill had what it took to be the superstar, the horse to take this sport to the next level. But Galapan de Champ also proved that he has that X factor by winning the Cheltenham Gold Cup. Um, I think these two, both in the infancy of their career, could leapfrog horse racing above, uh, above other sports in uh, industry and punting and just people who love sport in general, maybe they'll turn on ITV more often from now on. 
Yeah, look, well, we'll discuss this now because Constitution Hill could be the, the Frankel and very much is looking to be the sort of the Frankel, the national hunt scene, um, really got, gathering a following, really looking explosive. What we saw, what we were lucky to see last week was no short of breathtaking, which we've got come accustomed to, haven't we? And Ross, we're, I think we're lucky that uh, Constitution Hill is owned by a man who's very creative. He's up for it. He loves this game and he wants to see his horse thrive. And a lot of, a lot of, pundits a lot of fans a lot of you know specialists are saying you should keep to the hurdling route because he's clearly such a good hurdler but you can understand why the temptation is there to go uh, chasing novice chasing to potentially one day become a gold cup horse could we see him against Gallop and Deschamps you can see both sides of it if you were Michael Buckley what would you be doing I mean, firstly, I just can't help smile when you talk about it, which I think is exactly what T's seeing, you know, TC saying it really does excite people. Um, I mean, I, my answer is the same, what I would like to see him do and what I, I, I think they will do and what I would do if he was mine. And, and for me, the Cheltenham Gold Cup is the race. Um, if you've got a horse that your trainer and your jockey and your eyes are telling you has a, a conceivable chance of one day contesting it, and contesting it competitively, I think most people would take that option. Um, yes, there is probably a, a greater perceived risk to him in terms of injury, jumping fences and jumping hurdles. Um, but I think they're a, they're, a, they're a chasing yard. He's a, uh, an ambitious, adventurous owner. And I would be surprised if they don't at least test the waters and try. Now, the first step for that is going to be trying him over some fences at home at um, mm. Seven Barrows. I think we can assume that if novice chasing is not mentioned, we can all assume that, that doesn't go well. Um, his leap at the last, for me, is double-edged. It shows that he's got stacks and stacks of scope, um, but it does show that he's a bit brave. Now, he's going to need to not be as brave over a fence because you don't get away with that sort of mistake at a fence. But he does seem intelligent. Um, we've seen plenty of horses. I mean, Dysart Dynamo, for example, has been a much better jumper of a fence than he was a hurdle because he, he respects them all. He's not as brave. So I would be surprised if Novice Jason wasn't tried. Lots of people have said, you know, put him in the Gold Cup, put him in the Queen Mother Champion chase. Mm. I think that is next season, any price you like. I mean, I just cannot see Nicky Henderson doing that for, for all the money. I mean, A, I don't think you... Do you want to take on a, a Galloping Deschamps in his prime? I mean, you watch that gold cut back. They're walking over the line. He canters all the way to the top of the hill where they pull up. You know, he wasn't tired. So I don't think you'd want to be taking him on as, as a novice. Um, so I think it'll be a, a route either to the Arkle or to the or to the Turners. My gut says the Arkle because I think that's a more exciting race to win than the Turners. But I can see the logic of stepping him out and trip up to two and a half over fences as a novice with one eye on the the 2025 Gold Cup. But yeah, I mean, what you can guarantee is that Michael Buckley will listen to Nicky Henderson. There won't be, there won't be uh, any owner-led uh, plans here. It'll be the owner listening to the man who he's employed as the expert. Um, and, and that's what we'll do. But I, I really hope it's Spencer. I think that's an exciting chapter to go on to. Yeah, look, it's uh, pretty surreal that a horse of this nature could be um, such a short price for five individual races next year at the Cheltenham Festival. Even money for the champion hurdle around 
five to two to four to one for the Arkle, the novices Ch- Turner's novices chase the same sort of price. The Brown Advisory a bit bigger, and then as you say, an open race like the the Queen Mother Champion Chase. He's he's around six to one to ten to one for those that those races. It just goes to show the respect, the level of respect that bookmakers have for him wherever he decides to whatever he decides to do. Um, we can we can hopefully post entry because that's where he's next going to go to. Um, stepping up and trip from then on, um, we can uh, we can enjoy coming up with the ideas and waiting to see um, what we'll unveil. But as you say, Gallopin Deschamps as well, and whatever he ends up doing, and they're both relatively young, only six Constitution Hill and Gallopin Deschamps seven. Tom, there were lots of stories, a lot of horses as well that potentially might not have, uh, might not have won, a lot of may, may, maybe some that we might have missed, some eye catches, you know, 28 races. There's a huge amount of things that need to go right. There needs to be so much luck on your hands. We saw the likes of Marla Mission looking like everything was in his hands until falling a, a couple from the, the final at the nas- in the National Hunt Chase. There were plenty of stories. I'm sure there are horses that you are, you're going to keep on side of. I'm sure there are horses that you were delighted to see win. The likes of Jim Tashare, one that you were really keen on for the bumper, where he might go next. Are there a couple that you wanted to highlight now as, as ones that you, you really took away from the festival? Yeah, so I wrote an article for betting.getsbk.com. So if you've already read that, then apologies, this is duplication. But uh, there were five eye catchers in that article, two of which I'm going to mention now on the podcast. And if you haven't checked out the article, please do. The first is walking um, on air. He ran in the Potemps finish fifth for Nicky Henderson. He just got shuffled back at two crucial stages of the race. All of his best forms come on good ground. And obviously the ground wasn't good at Cheltenham. It was soft. And yet he still finished fifth. He was also squeezed up turning for home when looking like he was going to make a challenge. He could go towards Aintree for the three-mile half a furlong handicap hurdle that Nicky Henderson tends to target with horses who previously ran in the Potemps final. So put walking on air in your tracker. And the other one is home by the Lee. He made the worst mistake over a hurdle that I've seen at this year's Cheltenham Festival at the sixth flight, just as they mm-hmm. passed the stands for the first time. Completely lost his back end and did remarkably well to stand up. Yet this horse... He would have had excuses to finish right at the back. He'd have had excuses to be pulled up, but he still finished fifth and a close finish uh, in fifth as well. Only three and three quarter lengths behind the eventual winner. I thought he ran an exceptional race. and I don't know where he's going to be seen next. Maybe he'll race in the spring, um, either Punchestown or uh, maybe even Aintree. But this horse has a lot of ability and he could be the standout in the stairs hurdle division moving forward. Yeah, funny old stairs, isn't it? Sard Burley. There were a couple of shrewd men that did tip him up, but I did not see that coming and seemingly enjoys Cheltenham more than anything because he puts in a lot of terrible rounds of jumping and displays outside of that. That was a really um, extraordinary race in the end. And thank you for those. A couple to to take on, but... but also worth um, having a read of your article for the full for the full review. Um, Ross, any from you? And and also for that respect, you've touched on we've touched on jockeys. You know, coming it's a coming of age moment, isn't it? We saw Michael, Michael O'Sullivan, two winners. What a talent he is, and um, and also the smaller trainers getting getting a, a big big days in the sunshine. Yeah. So in terms of horses in the in the immediacy. Um, I, I thought the Ballymore form is going to work out really, really well. I thought that was probably the best novice of the of the week, in my opinion. I think Champ Kylie was second, Gaelic Warrior was third. They're likely mm-hmm. to go to Punchestown now. Um, going back right-handed will suit them. 
Champ Kylie over two and a half. Gaelic Warrior, I think they might well step him up in trip. I think they're two you'd you'd want to keep on side. And then, yeah, there was plenty of good jockey performances last week. In terms of coming of age, and and he's not coming of age because he's had Cheltenham winners before, but I just thought that the last two days of the festival had done Harry Cobden the world of good. I thought he was pretty moderate the first two days. Um, came in on Hermes Allen and complained that the, the the pace was muddling on a horse that he's made the running on before. I thought that was churlish, basically. Um, and I thought, as I'd mentioned in the podcast, I just thought he got a bit bullied. But then Thursday, the ride on stage star, and then the ride on stay away fade the, the, the next day. On the new course, he rides that course really, really well. He rode his own fractions, dictated the race how he liked, um, and got the results. And then was brilliant on Brave Man's Game, who I think we have to put our hands up. I mean, that horse mm. has baffled me all season long. They've done a brilliant job to win a King George, then go to the Gold Cup and serve it up to a, to a really good horse. Again, was in the right place at the right time. You know, uh, boxed um, uh, Sam Ewing in coming around the turn. You know, he, he rode brilliantly. And I think going into the festival next year, he can perhaps look around the weighing room and, and really believe that he's as good as anyone in there because he is. Um, so I thought that was probably my, my, my takeout was uh, Harry Cobden, particularly on the new course. Yeah. TC, just quickly on that, Brave Man's Game deserted him a little bit. We'll be yeah. doing, <laughs> we'll be doing yeah. so next time. Like he definitely caught me massively. I have to say, I was not expecting that. The jumping round, that was the best ju- of all the horses in the Gold Cup. He jumped the best, didn't he? Yeah, 100%. Uh, there were a fair few that made mistakes, though. Um, even Galapan Deschamps didn't jump overly well, mm. albeit a couple of people on my Twitter timeline think he did. Uh, he made a lot of mistakes, yeah. especially one with fourth last or third last as well. Um, Brave Man's game was impeccable. I know, and I've heard your interview with Paul Nichols at Kempton subsequently, um, and I know plenty believe Brave Man's game did stay the trip, but I think he was found out in the last furlong. Racing's all about opinions. If you disagree, put that to good use next time he runs in the Cheltenham Gold Cup. Um, but I will be opposing him at Cheltenham and backing him in the King George next year. Well, I'm not sure if you listened to the interview I did with Harry Cobden just afterwards. He said that he was lying in bed the night before think, thinking, uh, well, we would have won the Ryanair. So there we go. Conflated would have as well. And I had 22 <laughs> to 1 on him. Unbelievable. Yeah, well, yeah, it was um, It was just there's so much to pick apart. We could be here for hours. I think for me, look, I've had a quite an easy time and we've had 18 minutes in. But yeah, Jerry Colom. I'm still not quite over that. I don't know what went on. I don't know. I just bizarre run. There was a couple of bizarre runs. Shishkin was a bizarre run. Jerry Colomb sort of came. I thought we were going to have a champ moment for a second. I still think this is a very, very good horse. Um, we'll see. Next year, it's going to be a lot harder for him. I can't see with in the open division, it's going to be tough with that, with those guys, the bigger guys, the likes of Gallop and Deschamps. Let's see where he ends up um, next time out. I'm sure it'll be at Punchestown, but I still have faith in him. Um, I did think that Sam Twiston Davis gave, gave the real whacker an absolute belter from the front, um, and that was a great performance. Um, but uh, outside of that, a Plutard, I tipped him the Gold Cup, and despite him pulling up, he was travelling really well. Um, they were really pleased with that. Henry de Bromley had a great week all around, and I think of Plutard, you know, he just got an absolute nightmare when all the fallers came down in front of him, and it just got him out of the race but the bet the bowl at Aintree coming up if he's up against the likes of uh conflated and um Clanders above I think that's going to be that's going to be his race I think it's also um a nice trap for him so Plutard and also in the pocket who was in the wrong race um but ran a 
brilliant, brilliant race in the Supreme. We'll see him hopefully stepping up and tripping on, on an intermediate distance that he definitely needs in one of the later spring festivals. Okay, well, that's enough of our Cheltenham review. Um, we need to move on to the weekend. Um, slightly, bit of a lull at the, this weekend and over the next couple of weeks before we head into um, Aintree. But it's that moment where TC gets really excited and revved up because it's going to, it's nearly, we are closely moving towards the start of the flat turf season it is the beginning of the turf season in ireland we've got the irish lincoln we've got the um, uk uh, version weekend after but um we do have racing at newbury and we're going to focus on the handicap chase the 205 10 runners line up in the 0 to 150 handicap um where bit of a muddle i think there's i think at this stage of the season and uh, ross i'll go with you first that because we've had such a strange um, period of weather um, sort of waiting for horses waiting for the ground to get right I don't know what it will be like at Newbury they could get quite soft testing conditions which we haven't had in a while um, there'd be plenty of horses that thought it would be more sort of um, connections that they thought would be sort of spring ground and the like so it's quite difficult to work out what we're sort of getting at this stage of the season when normally we're sort of expecting spring ground runners what how have you sort of assessed this this race and the sort of the weekend in general from a national hunt perspective well, I, I had to screw up my work and start again, Jess, because I've been waltzing around doing some spring jobs outside in a T-shirt over here. <laughs> and then suddenly it occurred to me that maybe I ought to look at what the weather was doing doing with you guys. And mm. uh, looking on uh, the, the weather report I like to use, which is normally pretty accurate, suggests there could be 10 mil of rain on good to soft ground. Um, I think you're looking at looking at soft ground, and that's the the angle I've taken. I think it's a really open race, and it's not one that I'll be... I'll be wading into. I think you have to mention Zaguli and Eden Dehu, who finished first and second at Sandown just two weeks ago on similarly testing conditions. Eden Dehu loves soft ground, but he is a yo-yo horse. If ever there's one, he's just up, he's down. I mean, you just don't quite know what you're going to get with him. Seems to go well after wind surgery. Um, they're weighted to get quite close to each other again, but I thought they finished very, very tired here, and I'd be worried that would leave a leave a mark on them. Um, Riders on the Storm entered my calculations. A, he's a horse to just have a, an affinity with and a, and a love for. I love how he goes about his business. He set far too hard of fractions at Ascot last time over three miles in the first time blinkers. Um, speaking to owner and trainer on, on a YouTube piece I did, they were really keen to try and sneak him into the Grand Annual and he got to second reserve and, and didn't get a run. Um, because they'd looked at the, the fractions he'd run. He'd run pretty hard, pretty quick, and they thought he might have been suited to that test as the ground came up soft. Didn't get in. They've obviously come here, and they revert to a visor um, from Blinkers. Again, something different. I'd give him a chance, um, but just slightly concerned that having had a plan and then rerouting to another plan isn't always isn't always mm -hmm. ideal. So the one I've come down on is the head of main train, Numitor, who's a horse I really like. He hasn't won at Newbury, but he's run some really good races in probably more competitive competition than this. Uh, he slipped now from a mark of 142, which was way above his capabilities, down to a mark of 135. Hasn't won off a mark this high, um, but I thought his run last time was full of promise. He is going to love the soft ground, um, and I think plenty in here won't. Tom Scudamore got on really well with him. And I think Adam Wedge is a similar style of jockey to Tom Scudamore. So I'm hoping he will pick up the mantle now that Tom has, Tom has gone. Um, I just think Newbury soft ground, getting back to soft ground, having been running quite well on good and good soft ground will suit this horse. Um, and in an open race, 
you know, these are odds appeal to me, and let's hope that at least we get uh, each way on three places. Yeah, he's um, he's a horse that they don't run. Heather Main doesn't run a huge amount. They sort of, they sort of pick and choose quite carefully, don't they? Um, also, second run after a win surgery clearly must have helped a little bit last time out. Um, and uh, he's around 14 to 1, so it's definitely a not bad each way value for, for this kind of race. Um, thank you for, for that, Ross. Um, TC, we'll... Uh, Nita, when we look at these handicaps on a Saturday, you have to mention the the obvious sort in, in the skeleton, the Hel- Heltonham, who's the sort of unexposed novice in a race of this nature, has to raise his game again, is being very progressive, ticks all the boxes. Is he your selection? He's not. Um, I think I've got a bit of a grudge with this horse, I have to say, because I backed him three runs back at Sodder when a really weak handicap hurdle and he got beat. He wasn't given the best ride, but he finished second. And I haven't backed him the last twice when he's won. Uh, so I don't think I can get in, uh, get involved now. He's up another seven pounds into mm. a better race. Potentially the ground will find him out as well. For such a wide open race, it's interesting that th- us three have all come down on just two horses. Um, I'm going to preview the horse that you're going to talk about in, in good detail in a minute as well. But uh, firstly, Numitor was the first on my shortlist at a massive price and very much for the reason that Ross has already said. The return to Newbury, I think Newbury is his number one track. Soft ground will definitely suit. Second time off a wind uh, operation and also coming off a layoff as well. I think if this is the day for Numitor, then he's going to run well at a big price in a competitive race. And the other one is Super 6 because he is the unexposed and likely race performer in this field. The return to a left-handed track clearly helped him last time out where he jumped so much better. And if he could take another step forward, maybe he can win this race. Saying this, I won't be having a bet on the race. I want to come clean about that because I'm flat only now until uh, entry. So, uh, yeah, just Super 6 and Numitor were the two that stood out to me. Yeah, and I've I've got to echo that. Super 6, I was really impressed by his jumping last time out. The Twiston Davises clearly have worked on that. And I think he probably would have been worth a a good bit better in some of his races before if he hadn't, if he had sort of just jumped a lot better. Um, he has gone up a good bit in the weight, nine pound rise, a fair rise, but things are just clicking into gear. He's got a backup performance. I think going around this kind of track, similar to enough uh, in the way that they go around to Haydock will help Sam Twiston Davis riding really well. Like to see Sam giving him positive ride out in front. And I think he could get closer to honor Dijon at who uh, he was behind the last time. Have to have a, have a, I've always have a word for Mezid as a bow because he's a he's a grand horse who's gone through a rigmarole of problems um, and to get him to win last time out from by Alan King um, and the team is a is a huge is a huge effort um, but he can he's a kind of horse that can put in a big big run and then might just be feeling things a little bit so difficult to follow in but he's a, he's a horse that is. Has just been has been a really good training performance by Adam King to sort of get him back from lots of issues. Um, so Numitor fourteen to one um, and Super Six eleven to two in a very open looking handicap um, chase at Newbury. Um, okay, well we've got as I mentioned we've got uh, the beginning of the flat turf season over in Ireland. Um, there's also uh, a small business of the Dubai World Cup night um, over in Maidan, which has got plenty of horses to that have been on on many people's radars over the course of the winter period. Um, I'm sure TC, you've been following this. This is a good, it's a good renewal of the, of the Dubai world cup from all for, from all races. It's cr- it's always cracking entertainment might not be for everyone, um, but it's definitely worth keeping an eye on. Obviously we've got 
as I mentioned, flat action over in Ireland. We've got plenty of other jump racing. But TC, I'll come to you first and get where your nap and your next best selection is over the course of the weekend. Yeah, well, I was desperate to nap in the Dubai World Cup. I really was. But the draw was made yesterday on Wednesday. We're filming this on Thursday around lunchtime. And unfortunately, all three market leaders have been drawn right out in the car park, uh, which puts me off having a bet in the race. I will say, though, that I'll be laying country grammar. I know he was impressive in this race 12 months ago, but at the same time, uh, was it 12 months ago or two years ago? Whenever he won this race. Um, but at the same time, he's drawn out in 13. He's a horse that lacks tactical speed and he's just going to take so much kickback. The only way to avoid that kickback is by going wide on the track and you just lose so much ground out there. So I think his task is made uh, ridiculously harder in the Dubai World Cup. So I've left that race, uh, but I will be napping at Maidam. And the nap's going to come in the Golden Shaheen at 2.25. And I think the Japanese are going to have a phenomenal day in Dubai. And I think they'll win this race with lemon pop. Now, I know that there was an interview with Godolphin's Japanese uh, representative earlier today. And he wasn't overly keen about the chances of lemon pop. But I think he's wrong. I think this horse is the horse to beat. Um, he was really, really impressive last time in the, the grade one February stakes. Now, I'm not going to profess to know a load about Japanese racing because I don't. But I did watch a couple of his uh, replays back on YouTube, and he was so impressive last time. He just stalked the, the speed, moved up alongside the leaders, and kicked clear in the style of a really good horse. That came over a longer trip. He's dropping back um, on Saturday, which could be a negative, but at the same time, he has that tactical early pace that can get him into a good position. If he's banged there, maybe one, two lengths behind the leaders with a furlong to go, I think he'll run them down and win the Golden Shaheen. There are a couple of US Raiders in that race, actually, that I should briefly mention. Gunite being one who ran second in the Riyadh Dirt Sprint last time out. He's a very good horse, but I don't know. He has his limitations. He'll go forward and try to make the most of the early pace, but uh, I think he's going to be vulnerable late on. And the other one is Hopkins for Bob Baffert. If that horse wins, then I'm giving up the game. Um, and my next best is going to come over in Ireland in the 215 at the Curra. And it's a horse called Swift Flight. Now, this five furlong handicap has been won by a lot of specialists in the past. And the majority are returning again to try and win it once more. Laugh a minute won it last year. And he's been teed up for the race in similar fashion by having a little prep run at Dundalk. He's definitely a danger. Um, there's another horse in here as well that's a danger at, at a bigger price, but only a five-year-old, and that's John Riggins for the Lynams. He's a horse that will move through the field, stalk and try pounce late. But he's been vulnerable on his first run back off the layoff before. So I think he's for the tracker. He's the horse for the future, but maybe not for this race. The one I'm siding with is Swift Flight. He finished second in this race last year, but was given so much to do. He was right out the back, tried to make a late run and just couldn't uh, pull back Laugh a Minute, who eventually won the race. He's probably been prepped for this once again. He's good off a layoff. He's drawn very well in stall two. And if you're having bets in sprint races at the Curra on Saturday, you want to be drawn low because the far side tends to be the place to be. Brilliant. Yeah, and also a word on the ground, soft to heavy at the moment. And with the rain coming over here in the UK, I'd imagine it's probably might be the same in uh, in Ireland as well. So a very uh, testing surfaces to begin the, the turf season. But thank you. Something from Maidan and something from um, over in Ireland at the Curra as well for the beginning of the flat season for TC. Ross, what is your nap for the flat action? So the flat action, the maidan action. Uh, no, no, no surprise. I'm sticking sticking to the jumps for as long as I I possibly can. Um, the nap is in the two thirty three at at Bangor, which has got a really nice card actually on Saturday. Um, and I was really excited when you get that ping, ping, ping on your phone and your trackers going off saying these horses are declared to run. And there was about seven or eight. Three of them 
in the same race and two of them in the same race. So that that narrowed it, it fairly quickly. But a horse I do like in the 233 is 223 uh, for Sam Alwood. Um, now he was uh, second off a mark of 150, or third, so I should say, off a mark of 115 just 11 months ago over this course and distance. Since Moose Stables, three runs have been pretty disappointing before he stepped back last time. First run after a wind up and finished second at, at Doncaster. The third horse, Hawthorne Cottage, won uh, yesterday um, really impressively. Um, and I just think he's got a chance of getting back to, to his best now. He'll like this uh, slightly softer ground. Sam Alwood's yard have been in dire form all year, but just the last 14 to, uh, days to three weeks, they've started to run a little bit better, still without a winner and a, and a couple pulling up, but they've tended to pull up at massive prices and a lot of them are going much better and outrunning their, their odds. He's now down to a mark of 103 from 115, like I said, just 11 months ago. I think course and distance will suit him. Second run back after a wind up. Um, I expect him to, 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 to bounce back to form and perhaps kick Sam Elwood's season on to a, to a better finish. And then the next best comes up at Kelso in the 4.45, and it's a horse called Bollinger and Crook, who I know really well. He's out of a sister to a, to a mare that I've got. He was a decent hurdler and uh, connections, and therefore myself were very excited to see him go over fences. So I thought he might do quite a nice job on the, on the mare's page. And he was really disappointing in his initial tries chasing uh, didn't manage to add a victory uh, to his to his form then went back hurdling and hadn't looked like he was uh, particularly in love with the game went back chasing last time at Kelso and honest to god it's one of the best rounds of jumping you will ever watch in your life he winged every single fence under Derek Fox never saw another rival uh, beat a horse called Gandhi Maker who was going for a hat trick and was and was very well uh, gambled on the day beat him easily he's up eight pound back over this course and course and distance there doesn't look to be a huge threat to the pace up front if Derek Fox can get to the front again and and crucially get him in that jumping rhythm again eight pound is definitely not going to stop him he's a horse they thought a lot of you know he's featured a couple of times in her sort of um, pre-seasons previews in the in the racing post and such like and you know you've, you've got to take notes of that she talks about him being a powerful jumper and a, going to be a better chase than hurdler well he won off a mark of 108 over hurdles so this mark of 108 over fences shouldn't stop him. Um, and so he's the next best in the 4.45 at Kelso. Brilliant. Yes. Um, what a wonderful combination um, that is um, as well. And uh, seemed to really good effect last week too. So thank you for that, Bonaldo and Krug. And 2-2-3, um, Napa next best for Ross. And then mine, well, I'm going to stick to Maidan and I agree with TC. Um, look, the Japanese are an absolute force to be reckoned with internationally. They have five winners at uh, this meeting this time last year. Um, they cleaned up. Um, at Saudi, um, they did very well at the Breeders' Cup and they just get their horses absolutely spot on. And my nap was slightly tentative only because of question mark over the trip, but I think Barat Leon in the 12.05, so that's the first race um, on the card, which is the Godolphin Mile. Um, I think this is possibly an easier race than um, the turf sprint was that he won last time out at Saudi. Um, he does need to find an extra furlong and he's not massively proven over the trip. But I think that um, 
I think it's an easier task at hand than the race he had last time out. Um, and I think that the Japanese will again um, decide to make most of him, make use of him from the front um, coming out of stall eight, which is not too bad. He's sort of more in a middle position um, with 14 runners. So that is my nap. And then my next best, diff- very difficult. Again, same as TC. You don't want to be too wide at Maidan. And unfortunately, my next best, um, which is Rebels Romance, has got a wide draw. He is in stall 10. But... At around about seven to one for uh, the Tsushima Classic, a horse that was unstoppable last year ended it on a high, winning the Breeders' Cup turf. Rebels Romance has been slightly overlooked in the betting. Yes, it's his first run after a bit of a break. It's a brilliant race with the likes of Equinox, Mostadath and Westover. Slightly on a bit of a watching brief with Westover this year. We'll see um, how he'll begin his season. Uh, Mostadath was brilliant last time out in Dubai he might be the one that um, excuse me in Saudi he might be one they've all got to beat but you know such a big win can always leave a bit of a mark on horses and I like a bit of a a fresh one in the likes of Rebels Romance despite a big draw and that's probably what has made his price um, that um, what it is so that's made Anne really looking forward to that card obviously got racing throughout the country over in Ireland as well we are creeping ever closer to the flat season so you're going to have to get out your uh, platform books um, Ross and uh, start thinking about it a little bit um, as, uh, we, as we edge close to that but we look forward to um, coming back next week and reviewing what we've seen hopefully a few winners and our next week's racing as well but for now thank you very much for joining us thank you for um, um, enjoying all of our preview podcasts for the Cheltenham Festival. TC and Ross did an excellent job previewing um, each day throughout the course of the week and reviewing what they saw. Um, it's great to see so many new listeners. Um, so hopefully you can um, enjoy the rest of this jump season into the flat season. A reminder also that if you are a new SBK customer, um, you can get £10 in free bets by betting £10. C's and C's always apply. Like, subscribe, tell all your friends. We're back every single week with the smiling faces of Ross Miller and Tom Collins. Thank you very much and we'll see you soon. 